Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash of the Articulate Fly, and we're back with another episode, and I'm happy to have Tim O'Neill with us this evening. How's it going, Tim? It's going, go- it's going great, Marvin. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to learning more about you and learning more about uh, Norvice, too. Uh, folks, if you like the podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you'd give us a review in iTunes, and if you would subscribe in the podcatcher of your choice. And one last thing before we get on to tonight's business. Um, tonight's sponsor is Virginia's newest fly shop. It's Tail Teller's Fly Shop in downtown Lynchburg. And you owe it to yourself to drop by, meet Ethan, and he'll take care of all your fly fishing needs. For more information, check out his website. It's at www.tailtellersva.com. So, Tim, I start all of my interviews uh, on the Articulate Fly. It's kind of become a tradition to ask you to share your earliest fishing memory. Okay. Um, this this is kind of, uh, it, it's not a memory that I have um, embedded in my brain. It's more of something that, that my family, it, it was talked about so much when, when I was a little kid that it, it's, it's just one of those family lore type of things. Um, don't know how old I was. I, I was, I was very, very young and myself, my two brothers, my dad, and a lifelong friend of my father's were fishing at a little, um, little pond. We call it the sand pit. It's actually, I could almost throw a rock from where I'm sitting right now into this particular body of water. And my dad's friend uh, hooked a fish and handed me the rod. And apparently they didn't give me a, a lesson on how to how the fishing rod works or anything. He just hands me this fishing rod with a fish on the end of it, and, and, and the fish is tugging on the rod. Well, apparently, instead of trying to reel the fish in, I went running out into the water to with the rod to try to catch the fish. And apparently my dad's uh, friend had to go out there after me and grab me and, and pull me back in. And we, we reeled it in. We, we, we got the fish in. It was, it was a little catfish. And there is a picture of myself and, and my dad's friend, Donnie, um, holding this, this catfish up in a photo album at my mother's house. Uh, so that is, is one of the earliest memories that, that I have as far as fishing goes. That's great. And how old were you? I, I would imagine I, I was I was young. I, I had to be four, maybe five. Yeah, that's about about when I started. When did you make the move to the dark side of fly fishing? That I, I actually um, we were we were always a, a hunting and fishing family, and and my father was a big fisherman, although not a fly fisherman. He was a um, he was a surf fisherman in the saltwater, and um, you know bottom fishing off a boat. I, I guess I first started fly fishing when I was about 10 and nobody, nobody in my family fly fishes even to this day with, with the exception of my son. I'm the only one who, uh, who fly fishes. And I kind of dabbled in it for a few years. I got away from it and I got into some other things through my teenage years. Um, I was really, really big into archery. I shot archery for a long time. I shot on a professional level. Uh, and then I would say in about my mid early to mid twenties, I, I, I got back into fly fishing and, and got back into it really, really hardcore at that point. So I kind of started when I was 10, dabbled in it, got away from it. And then in my early twenties, I got back into it, you know, very aggressively. Got it. And since no one in your family, uh, was fly fishing, who were your mentors? It, it started with a, uh, 3M years ago. Uh, when they, 3M and Scientific Anglers, they, they put out a series of VHS tapes. 
and there was this one particular VHS tape. I believe that it was Lanny Waller, who's a, a very famous steelhead angler. Um, he did a a video um, series for 3M on on steelhead fishing, and I, I watched that video, and I was just kind of enamored by the whole sport, the, the the cast, the flies, the the fish, the whole thing, and that's what really got me started um, in fly fishing, and. It, it went from there to magazines and, and, and books and, and different types of things. Um, I had some books by Lefty when I was, when I was younger, um, some other books by, by some other famous authors. So it, it was really a, um, th- th- there was, you know, there was no internet, there were no videos, there was no YouTube, there was none of that stuff back then. We're talking, you know, early, early 1980s. Um, so mentors were really magazines and books that I could find and read and learn about fly fishing and what I was supposed to do. Well, that's really neat. And when did you get the fly time bug? A few years after when, when I, when I got back into it for the second time in my twenties, um, I, I got into fly tying with, with the premise that, that I think a lot of people get into fly tying for is that, Oh, I'm going to tie my own flies and I'm going to save some money. And anybody who's been tying flies for more than about 10 minutes knows that, that that's not necessarily the case. And it, it's, it's funny for me, fly tying is the closest thing to any form of art that, that I will get to. I, I can't sing. I can't draw. I can't paint. I just, I don't have the, the eye to do that type of stuff, but flies I can take and I can, kind of blend different materials and, and different things and, and get the, the shape or get the action or get the form or silhouette that I'm looking for. And as you do it over time, you know, your, your first couple of patterns that you're trying to design takes a long time to get what you're looking for. And then as you do a few and you get a little better at it and you learn a little more and you learn some new techniques, um, it, it really, at this point, kind of comes easy. And I can go to the the river or to a pond and I can look at a fish or I can look at a bug or I can look at, at whatever the fish are feeding on and I can go back and I can kind of replicate that at the vice. And for me, that's, that's what fly tying is all about. It, it's about being able to take something in your mind, put it onto a hook and then catch a fish on it. And, you know, to this day, catching a fish on a fly that you have, have tied is, is one of the, the, the best feelings in, in fishing, honestly. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Did you learn to fly tie kind of the same way you learned to fly fish when you came back to it? Was it videos and books or did you have local people or did you was, shows? Um, I, I, I actually took some, I took some lessons, um, at the local, we, we have a local, um, fly shop that, that I actually worked at for several years before I worked at the shop, I took some, uh, I took some lessons there and that is, um, th- that's what got me started th- down the road. And then it, by this point, YouTube was starting and the internet was starting and, and you could get a lot more information a lot faster. And, you know, that's, it, it started with the lessons, but then it kind of branched on into the, uh, into the internet and, uh, and whatnot. Got it. And do you have a favorite type of pattern that you like to tie? That's a tough one. Um, we're we're based in northern Delaware, and you, you don't really think of Delaware as being the the, the hotbed of the fishing world. Um, we're we're fortunate 
that we can fish 12 months out of the year. And we have legitimate fishing opportunities available to us in February when it's five degrees and in July when it's 105. Now, the species will change and the area that you're fishing will change, but, you know, we, we, um, we, we get some good wild trout, not necessarily in Delaware, in southeastern Pennsylvania. Um, the saltwater is within an hour and a half of my house. I have two blue ribbon smallmouth rivers within 45 minutes of my house. We get two shad runs every year. So as, as far as favorite patterns go, I could be tying size 22 midges, and a month later I could be tying size, you know, six-aught flies for, you know, big striper or um, northern pike or, or what have you. Um, it, it's funny. I, I guess it kind of depends on the time of year. If it's trout season, I'm going to tell you I love tying nymphs. If it's smallmouth season, I love tying poppers and, and sliders. If it's, you know, striper season, I love tying big articulated, you know, bait fish type patterns. So I, I love them all. I really don't have a favorite. It really just depends on what time of year it is. No, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, when you started tying, what was the vice that you started tying on? I started, my first vice was a, a Thompson Model A that was a, a little starter kit that came from Cabela. So it had like the little, the, the vice, you would take it down and it would go inside the little wood box. And when you were tying, the wood box became the, the pedestal stand for the vice. And I started with that. And that's, that's how I learned. Yeah. It's funny. I I'm familiar with those kits cause they were really common. At, at least it, when I was involved with project healing waters, a lot of the programs had those kits. Um, yeah, and that's, that's yeah, exactly right. And, and I'm assuming today, right. Since, since you bought Norvice, you must be tying on a Norvice vice. Which one do you tie on? Uh, we, we actually only have one vice. Okay. Um, we don't do the, you know, the, the entry level vice and the mid level vice and, and the, the, the top of the line. All of our, our vices are, we, we have one vice and it's, it's the top of the line. Now you do have options to outfit the vice differently. We have some different, um, different hardware that goes on the vice. We have four different jaw configurations, um, that, that you can swap in and out, but we only do the one model vice. So, the Norvice that you're tying on is the exact Norvice that I tie on that I'm sitting in front of right now. I'm literally looking at it, my own personal vice that's sitting down here on my tying bench. That's really cool. And, you know, obviously it's a big shift to go from a, a standard vice or a, a, a vice that rotates, but it's not a true rotary to rotary tying. How did you make that transition? It's, it, it's can be a, a challenge. Um, for people who are not used to tying with a with a, a rotary vice, the biggest challenge that I see with people are you you have to get over the this is how I have always done it mentality. And I have guys that I the, the Norvice is for everybody. It it really is, and and everybody will benefit from it. A um, couple of examples: I have a uh, guy who's who's just starting out on the Norvice. He's been tying his whole life. He's just starting out tying on the Norvice, and he had a, uh, a rotator cuff surgery on his shoulder about, on his right shoulder about eight months ago, and he tied on the vice actually just this past weekend, and he said it's, it's fantastic because he can hold his arm still and spin the vice when he's wrapping a hackle or wrapping a chenille body or what have you, 
and it doesn't he doesn't have to do those big you know wide loops with his with his uh right arm and he said it it's really his shoulder feels a lot better after tying session on the norvice than with his standard vice that he's used to you had mentioned um healing waters a little bit ago uh project healing waters is one of the biggest um charities that we donate to and and we donate a a lot to healing waters any member of Project Healing Waters, be it a, a member of the program, a volunteer, a program lead, an administrator, if you're involved with Healing Waters, you automatically get a 40% discount on any Norvice product. And there are a lot of wounded veterans tying with our product because of the way that it rotates. It, it allows them, if, if they have fine motor skill issues with their fingers, which a, a lot of the, the guys and girls do that have been in combat, it, it makes tying a fly an attainable goal for them and, and it, it's it's just wonderful to see these these people sit down and and tie flies and, and kind of have that aha moment that hey i can do this and and that i think is are a couple of the big benefits of tying on a rotary vice it it opens up so many possibilities especially on the norvice and there are things that we do on our vice that quite frankly you you just simply can't do on on another vice it's just impossible to do some of the things that we do. That's really neat. And so I know you spoke about, uh, you know, gentlemen with rotator cuff injuries and project healing water, but what was the attraction of rotary tying for you? Was it your, you know, production tying bent or was it something else? It was more looking at a, a, a better way to do something and being, being a machinist by trade and, and, I do a lot of CAD design. You're constantly looking at, okay, can I do this better? Can I do this? What's the most efficient way to do to do this, that, or the other thing? And when you talk about efficiency, being able to hold your, your bobbin or your material still and spin the vise is a lot more efficient than doing hand-over-hand wraps of hackle or thread or, or a dubbing noodle or what have you. And we don't really promote speed with the Norvice you will inherently tie flies faster because it is a more efficient way, but it, it's really the efficiency and the, the fact that you, your hackle or your body will have consistent tension when, when you're wrapping it and you're not doing the hand over hand where you release it every half wrap to get around the hook and you lose tension. And it, it allows you to tie flies more efficiently, which equates to speed. Um, but you tie, in my opinion, a better quality fly because of the consistent tension of, of the materials. Right. And certainly it's easier to seat hackle for sure. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, I think I had talked to you before we, uh, when we were setting up the interview that I had tried, uh, rotary tying and, and had found some challenges. And I was kind of curious, you know, what you thought the biggest challenges were for folks trying to move from a conventional vice to tying on a rotary vice. I think the biggest challenge is, as I mentioned earlier, it's it's retraining yourself to not do things the way that you have always done them. And and I catch myself even today, and I've been tying on the thing for over 15 years, I, I will still once in a while revert to like wrapping a hackle hand over hand. And it's just something that, that is so ingrained in your brain that, that, you know, you're tying a fly and, and you're listening to music or what have you. And, and I, I, I start wrapping the hackle and then I kind of like do a mental slap myself in the head and I'm like, what are you doing? And then you go to spin the vice. So w- what we tell people 
and, and we're actually we're building a, a marketing campaign around just this. If if you make the jump into a rotary vice and a, a you know full on rotary spinning vice like the Norvice, take all of your other vices and put them in the closet and don't take them out for three months. And I tell everybody, give me three months. And if you tie on my vice and only my vice for three months, and if you give it an honest shot, I can all but guarantee you will never go back to your old vices again. And as I said, we have a marketing campaign that we're building around that this year for 2020 coming up at the shows. Um, we're going to do a promotion where, and, and there's going to be some stipulations attached to it. But basically, if if you come up to the booth at one of the shows and you buy one of our packages, and we do several different packages at the show, if you give me an honest effort and you tie on our vice for three months, at the end of the three months, if you tell me that you don't like it, I'll buy it back from you. Now, what, what other vice company is doing that? Yeah, that's a pretty good deal. I mean, I can remember when I tried it, the two challenges I can really remember were learning to do half hitches, right? Because I, I would watch my flies fall apart. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you're rotating the vice in the opposite direction that you would normally wind stuff onto it. And so I had lots of trouble uh, working through that. I can remember those were the two challenges I had when I tried in the past to be a rotary vice tire. That, that's that's correct. You do you do have to learn the half hitch, and and we tell everybody, um, whether it's our vice or you know one of the other rotaries out there, every time that you go on your bobbin cradle, make sure you half hitch. And the worst case scenario, if if you break your thread or if something happens, you're only going to lose the pattern back to that last half hitch, and then you just you know tie your thread on and 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 finish out the pattern. But yeah, you definitely have to learn a half hitch. We we show people a, a way to do a half hitch that's very very quick, and you don't need any tools or anything to do it. Um, yeah, it's fun. And, and it yeah. just, you know, just makes for a better a better fly. Yeah, it's funny because I can remember I had a book, and the book didn't have the half hitches in there, and I my flies kept falling apart. So I had to email the author of the book. I said, I think there might be a missing instruction. And they're like, Oh yeah, there's supposed to be half hitches. I was like, well, there you go. So yeah, that's, that's a very important piece of information to have. Yes, it is. So, if you don't half hitch and you start spinning it. Um, it's, it's going to start to unwind. And then as, as far as, as the second part of your question, the, the, the spinning aspect of it, if you think about it, when you're tying on a on a static hooked vice, meaning the hook is stationary, we are generally wrapping over the shank of the hook. Unless you're counter wrapping a wire body or rib, the thread goes over, the hackle goes over, the body goes over. So if your material is stationary and you still want to wrap over the hook, you just remember you rotate the vice towards you. Yep. So if you're looking at the front of the vice, you're going to rotate it counterclockwise which inherently will make the material go over the shank of the hook. And if you just if you just get in that habit and you and when you when you roll the arbor on the Norvice through your fingers, you just roll it towards you and that gives you your um wrapping over the shank of the hook. And then on the odd time where you're you're counter wrapping a, a, a rib or a body, when when you go to, to counter wrap, you just wrap it away from you. So ninety percent of the time you're going to be rotating the vice towards you or counterclockwise if you're looking at the front 
and in the odd time where you're counterwrapping a body, you rotate it away from you or clockwise if you're looking at the front of the vise. Yeah, folks, take notes because it's very important. Uh, <laughs> Those are all things that, that come with the initial learning curve. And and trust me, it, it, it wasn't like I jumped into this thing and just started spinning, you know, flies and, and, and it was it was second nature and everything was great. It, it There is definitely a learning curve and, and there's a learning curve to doing it correctly. And I, it, it's funny, I see people, we, we were out at the, um, at the Pleasanton show last year and the, the way that, that these particular shows are set up, you have your vendors kind of in the middle and the tires are on the outer ring. And so we're, you know, in our booth and I'm looking out directly across from me and there, there are two tires and they're both very, very good tires. And they were both tying on very expensive, very tricked out, full rotary vices of two different companies. And they were tying trout flies primarily. I sat there for three days at the show. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday show. And I watched both of these gentlemen turn out fantastic fly after fly after fly. In three days. How many times do you think I saw either of those two vices rotate? Probably never. Not one. Yeah. Not one time in three days. And, and it just, it kind of boggles my mind why people will pay the amount of money for some of these, these vices that, that are very, very expensive. And I'm not saying that, that they're overpriced. I'm just saying it is an investment to, to invest in a tricked out rotary vice and then not use the rotary function of the vice to tie the flies. And, and I see it all the time and I just don't understand it. Yeah. And so I guess if we kind of boil it all down, I, I guess your real suggestion, if people want to experiment with moving to the rotary world, it's really to go cold turkey for three months on your existing vice to make yourself kind of learn the new skills. I, I, that's exactly right. And and I think what happens more times than not, you know, people will, will, will get a rotary vice and, and they have all the best intentions and they start tying on it. And they start to struggle. And, and like I said, there is a learning curve. And, and you will make mistakes and, and you will blow your thread. And you, I mean, it, it's, it's part of anything. I mean, look at it this way. Nobody was born knowing how to fly cast. It is a learned skill. And we learned it because we wanted to fly fish. Well, if you want to tie on a rotary vice, you have to give yourself that time to learn how to do it. And, and what I think people will do they will get their rotary vice, they'll get it home, they'll get it set up on their table, and they'll tie on it for a little bit, and they start to struggle. And then maybe they've got a trip planned, or maybe they've got to get some flies tied, or maybe they got... So they set the rotary vice aside, and they go back to their familiar vice that they've been tying on for years and years and years, and they never really give the rotary a chance, so they don't get to see the benefits of it. And and I think that that's a big thing that that we're trying to to kind of get people to understand. And that's, that's why with this promotion, like I said, if you give me an honest three months and, and there's, there will be stipulations attached to it, but you know, if, if you call me up and, and honestly, you know, Hey Tim, I I've tried it and, and I just can't get it. I'll buy it back from you. And, and that, that's, that's really a testament to where Norvice is, where we want to take the company and how much we believe in the products we sell. If, if I don't believe in a product that I sell, how, how can I sell it? Yeah, I, you, you can't. You know, 
Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you've uh, you've been at the game for a long time. I mean, you know, there's so many of us in the space that um, have worked a long time trying to blend our passion and our profession. And I know you've worn a lot of hats in the fly fishing world. I know you started O'Neill Fly Fishing website. You worked in fly fishing retail. You had a stint as a commercial tire. Um, you're a guide and you were a teacher. Tell us a little bit about your journey and kind of how you got got to the point of being the owner of Norvice. Well, I, by trade, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a machinist by trade, and, and I've been doing machine work for going on 30 years now. And I, I went to school. I went, I went to a lot of school to learn my trade, and that's always been my, my first kind of passion and, and, and my bread and butter. And even today, I love making things. I, I love taking a, a block of steel or a block of aluminum or whatever and turning it into something that I can sell. It's, it's again, like fly tying. It's just a passion of mine. Now, as I was as I was doing, going through my schooling and and my apprenticeship and and so forth, I always had a part time job at some type of of outdoor store, and I've worked in in hunting and fishing stores. I've worked in archery pro shops. Um, I've always kind of had something to do with the outdoors and shooting and hunting and fishing. And in two thousand nine, um, I started to work at the uh, Delaware's only full-service fly shop. And I worked there for about five years, um, got up to the point of where I was, I was basically managing the shop. And in 2014, I, I made a decision to leave. And I still wanted to stay in the industry. I, I didn't, didn't really know what I wanted to do, but, but I definitely wanted to stay in the industry. So I started, it was actually, first it was O'Neill's Irish Flies, a kind of a playoff of my last name. And I later turned it to O'Neill's Fly Fishing. And that was the website that we built. And I had a blog that I was blogging uh, pretty pretty actively there for a while. Um, I kind of centered it around the, the the seminar speaking and the teaching and the casting lessons and, and, and that type of thing. And that kind of spawned into the commercial fly tying. We, we dabbled in guiding a little bit. Um, my schedule is such that I just, I, I basically get one day a week off and I, I love being around people and I love taking people fishing. Uh, but the last thing that I want to do on my one day a week off is take somebody else fishing. So that's, that's kind of why the, the guide thing didn't, didn't really work out. Um, and I was, I was really just kind of just kind of staying in the industry and, and kind of keeping my feet wet. Uh, I had been manufacturing parts for Norvice for quite a while at, at this particular time. And I was just really kind of waiting for the next thing to happen. And fortunately, the next thing to happen was Norvice. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so how did you meet Norm? It's a funny story. Um, in two, the early 2000s, being in manufacturing, um, the the manufacturing economy in and around 2002 to 2004 um, kind of crashed, and anybody that was in United States manufacturing knows what I'm talking about. And we were we were very very slow at the company that I worked at. Um, in fact, we worked um, 32 hours a week for almost a year and a half. Um, we, it was, it was that slow. It was, it was not a good time for manufacturing in, um, in the United States. So part of, 
of us trying to to become busy again at the company that I worked at, they wanted me to, they they knew that I had a a sales background because I had done retail since I was 13 years old. Uh, So they kind of put me in charge of of sales for the company. And basically my job was to go out and find work for, for the company I was working for. And I started with all of our current customers, and I called them, which was kind of stupid because if they had extra work to give us, they would have given us. We we wouldn't have been slow, you know, in the in the first place. So I kind of struck out there, and then I started going down the list of of my hobbies and and shooting and archery and fishing, and they, they all have machine parts. I mean, everything that you touch every day, a machinist was involved in on some level. So I started with shooting and kind of struck out there, started with archery, struck out there, went there, and I got to fly fishing. And I just, I, I literally had fly fishing magazines on my desk, and I just started calling every real manufacturer, every rod manufacturer, every fly vice manufacturer, any company that had a machine part, I started calling them. Well, some of the companies you you would get the receptionist at at the front desk and and you wouldn't get past them and then you kind of struck out. So I called Norvice and and I didn't I, I was familiar with the vice. I had seen the vice before, but I, I didn't really know a lot about it. So I call the number. Well, who do you think picks up the phone? Norm. Norm. Yeah. Yeah. So the the first time that that we talked we probably talked for 45 minutes and it was just one of those things where something clicked you, you know what i mean and he said he said are you sitting in front of your, of your computer yes i am he says okay i'm going to send you a, a print so he sends me a print and it's the print for the inline the standard inline jaws that we sell that that come with every vice that we sell and he says he says can you make these and I'm looking at the print. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we can make them. That's, that's no problem. He says, okay, I need 500 of them as soon as you can get them done. And I'm like, you know, well, you, you could have knocked me over with a feather. So we, you know, I hung up, went in, sat down with the uh, production manager. We did the quote. I gave Norm the number. He said, fine, I, I'll take them. And he didn't tell me this until several years later, but about 10 minutes before he and I had our first conversation. He had just hung up the phone with the current um, supplier for this particular part for the vice. And apparently they had been dropping the ball and they called him to tell him that they were going to miss another delivery date for this particular part. So, you know, for him to get that call and then for me to call him 10 minutes later and be able to make the parts that he needs I mean, dumb luck or divine intervention, you, you take your pick, but that, that's how we got started. And over the next, I'm going to say 12 years or so, two parts turned into four, four turned into eight. And before you knew it, I was machining probably about 80% of the parts and pieces for the entire product line for Norvice. Wow. That's, that's a really neat story. I mean, it, it, people always say, right, it's better to be lucky than good. <laughs> um, I would agree with that a hundred percent. And you know, if I would have made that call a day earlier or a day later, you and I may not be talking right now. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's just crazy how how things in the world happen. Yeah, and it's amazing, right? Because the the longer you live, the more circumstances like that you see. 
Um, uh, that's really neat. And, and for folks that don't know the story behind Norvice, you know, Norm Norlander, uh, was the founder and he had the company for many years and his health started to decline and he, he stopped traveling. Um, and he was making a succession decision about what to do with the company. And, and I know that you went out and visited him and purchased the company. And I was curious if you kind of know why Norm picked you to be his successor. Well, I didn't know it at the time when it was actually, it, it was Norm's uh, wife's health that, that started to fail first. And she uh, has Alzheimer's and he couldn't travel. So I had been making parts for the vice at this point for about, mm, I don't know, maybe nine years or so. And obviously in the nine years, Norm and I had had many, many conversations and he knew that I had a sales background and we actually struck up a deal to where I would do the big fly fishing shows on the East coast. Cause he didn't, he was based in Washington state and he didn't want to fly out. He was just, it was just too much. So for, I believe two years, uh, my son and I did all of the shows from basically Boston down to Atlanta. And I didn't know it at the time, but I think that that was kind of a, a two-year-long job interview because I know that he would send people to the booth to ask specific questions, and they would report back to him because I would hear things that I knew I said to a particular customer – come back to me through norm. And, and I, I knew that, that it was kind of a vetting process, if you will. And the, the reason that he picked me and, and he actually told me there is a very, very specific skill set that you have to have to be successful at Norvice or, you know, any fly tying vice for, for that matter in the industry. First of all, you have to be a passionate fly tire. You have to be a fly fisher. You need to be an engineer or a machinist or a combination of both. You have to be a businessman and you have to be a good salesman. So you take those five things that don't normally cross each other, machinist and fly tire, you know, you don't see that in every day. And to have somebody that has those five skill sets, which Norm had. And, and he told me, he said, you have to have these five or you will not be successful. And he said, I know that you have all five of them and I know you can do this. And that's why I'm choosing you. That's a really great story. So Norm picked you, but tell us a little bit about why you picked Norvice and decided that you wanted to, um, to own a vice manufacturing business. Um, well, it, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those things where I had been making most of the parts and pieces for a very, very long time. I had been repping and selling the product for Norm out here on the East Coast for about two years. And Norm did a fantastic job of really making me feel like I was an owner before I owned the company. I, I mean, he, he, he was, he was a very, very good people person 
fantastic people skills, um, but but really kind of gave me ownership, for lack of a better term, of of part of his company. And and it was it was just one of those things where you, you make something and you have a lot of pride in it, and then you believe in the product, and then you want to see it continue. So when when the opportunity presented itself, how can you say no to that? You you, you can't. You know, you, you, you just can't. So we, we had talked, we, we had a um, transition plan that was supposed to take place over the course of, say, maybe three to five years. And when Norm's health turned south, um, I think he was actually a, a, a sick a, a, for a, a time before he actually told me. Um, but three to five years turned into literally about three months. And when I flew out to his house to, um, to do the deal, uh, it was about three weeks after that we went, after we did the deal that, that he, uh, he passed away, unfortunately. Wow. And so, you know, you had the advantage of working really closely with Norman, almost kind of taking a test to see if he wanted you to own the company did that make the ownership transition easier or was it just like most ownership transitions? In, in some ways it, it did. I was, I was fortunate that, that I got to work with Norm the, the amount of time that I did. Um, but for a lot of those years, I wasn't looking at it as I was going to be the, the next owner of the company. I was looking at it as I'm, I'm trying to sell product because, you know, I want to do, I want to do right by norm. Um, so the, the, the original plan was, you know, we would do the, the three to five years and, and norm would, would still do the shows and I would get to do shows with him and, and kind of learn through him 30 years of, of tribal knowledge of a business that he started and built from the ground up. And there's, so many things that were in his head that only he knew. And the, the transition was in some ways was, was very easy. Um, in other ways, it was extremely difficult because when he was gone, it's not like I could call him up and say, Hey, Norm, where did you buy this part from? Because there, there's, you know, parts that, that we don't manufacture that are purchased items. And some of them are, are custom items that, that he has people making out, you know, his way out, out the Washington way. And th- there were certain things that, that it took a long time to find. For instance, the, um, the little garter spring that goes on the jaws, on the back of the jaws, the round spring that, that springs the, the, um, the jaws open when you release the can. That is a 100% custom spring and you cannot find it anywhere. And I actually, I talked to Don Barnes, who is the owner of uh, Regal, and, and he was trying to help me locate this thing, and, and we struck out. And I spent probably a month trying to find this thing, and I finally did find it. And it's a little mom-and-pop uh, spring shop out in Oregon that Norm has dealt with for probably 20 years. And, and as soon as I found them, I called them up, and of course, they had a thousand of them on the shelf, and, and I said, them out to me. But... It's it's that where if he was still here, I could say, Norm, where do you get these garter springs from? And he would say, Oh, call you know Kathy at Custom Spring, and here's the number. Um, so those those kind of things were were challenging. It, it, it 
it, 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 some things were, were very tough. And, and, and was the sourcing of components, was that the biggest surprise for you or was there something else? The, the biggest surprise probably was just the amount of moving parts. And I don't mean physical parts on the vice. I mean, there's so many different things that, that go into just the day to day of Norvice. A couple of examples, the packaging. If you've noticed, our packaging is um, the, the vice sits in a, a die-cut foam that, that is cut out to the shape of the vice. So when we ship it, it doesn't get beat up, and you can use the box to transport your vice and so forth. The dies that are used to, to punch these shapes out, I own them, but I have no idea where they are. So again, we had to find them. The packaging. Where there's a special box that the um, that the, the the spools go in that we had to find. I, I can't tell you how many times my son Tyler and I would sit down and and we would get ready to do an assembly of of jaws or an assembly of of the light or an assembly of this, and we thought we had everything and we're missing one part. And it's like ah, oh, now you got to go back. You got to find the part. Then you got to order the part. Now you're a week behind. So it it's just the the amount. Of, of moving parts and different things that, that you have to keep. There's a lot of balls up in the air and you got to, you got to keep them up there and the business, the website, the accountants, the lawyers, you know, there's just so many different aspects making physically making the parts and selling the product. That's the easy part. It, you know, that that's, that's really a piece of cake. It's all the other stuff that goes into the business of just running a business day to day that, I, I've, I've never done, and we, we've kind of got a, um, a year under our belt, and, and we're in a much, much better place now than we were, say, a year ago. But it, it was a very steep and a very fast learning curve. Yeah. How, how long did it take you to get a feeling like you started sort of getting things under control? Uh, about a year. Okay. Well. About a year. Yeah. yeah we're, we're coming up on uh, about a year and a half, and it, and it was just about our one-year anniversary where we, we kind of, and, and I remember the day my son and I were um, in the workshop and, and, and Tyler was looking around and, and he looked at me and he's like, do you think we have it under control? And I'm like, I don't know if we have it under control, but we're a lot better than we were a year ago. So yeah, it, it probably took about a year. That's really, really cool. And, you know, obviously you get your arms around it and then you're going to want to change and optimize things. What have you changed or do you want to change in the near term to the business? Um. Probably the two biggest changes that, that we've made, um, as, as Norm, w w when he was dealing with the issues with, with his wife and then ultimately with, with his health, um, he, he was in a position where he couldn't really service the business the way that he wanted to. So he signed on a deal with a uh, distributor um, for a, an outfit to do distribution for him in, uh, in North America. And one of the first things we did was we um, we went back to dealer direct and we are rebuilding our dealer network. Um, the distributor, in my opinion, was not servicing the dealer's needs the way that that we needed them to be serviced. Um, and it's it's really our number one focus. First and foremost are the customers. And our second focus is our dealer network. And we're, we're rebuilding our dealer network. We're up to, I believe, just around 40 dealers, and we are now in six different countries. 
And hopefully, you know, within a year or two, I want to double that. So that was probably the, the first biggest change that we made was going back to dealer direct. And the, the second thing that, that I think people will see and, and, and have seen, um, I think we're probably a little more involved on social media than, than maybe Norm was. Um, we, we have advertising campaigns. I have a fantastic, um, uh, media marketing guy who also does my IT work and, and, and he does a lot of things with Facebook and Instagram and using those platforms to our advantage. So those are, are probably the two biggest changes that, that we've made. That's really neat. And so, you know, kind of as you close your eyes and you think about the vision for Norvice, what do you want the company to look like in five or 10 years? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I guess my goal and my family's goal as, as we move forward, really our business model is, is fairly simple. Put your head down, do the work and service your customers. And if we do that at the end of the day, we're going to be fine. Now my, my pie in the sky and my ultimate goal in, in the world of fly tying, there's really two, big guns out there and it's Regal and Renzetti. And I, I really, I have no problem saying their names. They are fantastic companies. They make a fantastic products. We, we are, we're friends with, with both owners of, of both companies. And when you talk fly tying and you talk fly tying vices, typically the, the, the first one of the first two words out of somebody's, somebody's mouth that you're talking fly tying with is Regal or Renzetti. And in five years, I would like that to be Regal, Ranzetti, and Norvice. That's, yeah, that, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, that's a great goal. Um, and I know you mentioned this just a few seconds ago that, you know, it's not just you're not the face of the company, but you also own the business with your wife and your son. And I was really curious if you could share what they do with the business. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's. It is definitely all three of us. My wife, Michelle, and my son, Tyler, are very, very involved in the company. Um, my son and I, we still work full-time jobs before we get to work on Norvice. So, you know, I work 40 hours a week at the machine shop that I manage, which generally is 50 to 55 hours a week. And then I come home and I put in several hours a night on Norvice. So I, I could not in, in any way, shape, or form do this by myself. Um, we, we're still learning our way through and, and we're still kind of gravitating toward our strengths in the business. Um, I do a lot of the, um, a lot of the emails, a lot of the answering the phone calls, um, talking to the customers, talking to the dealers and so forth. I work very closely with our IT guy and marketing guy and, and he and I work on the website and make changes to the website and, and that kind of stuff. My son Tyler, he does probably 80% of all of the assembly of the products. Um, my wife does most of the packaging of the products. She handles pretty much all of the orders that come in on, on it, and, and we ship literally every day. Uh, so we'll have orders come in either um, through the website or through our dealer network and she handles the um, the, the the shipping and, and the, the the packing of the boxes and the shipping them and and you know taking them to the post office or, or UPS or whatever. Um, Tyler handles our pro tires um, team, 
So we, we, we all kind of, we, we don't really have a, a, this is your job, this is my job kind of mentality. Nobody really has a job per se, but we all kind of gravitate toward our responsibilities. And for the most part, it, it works. Um, it's still running a business with your family. So we, 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 we definitely have our moments, but you know, overall it's, it's been, it's been really good. And, and it's great because I get to work with my wife and my son every day. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, you know, it's fun because, I mean, I love fishing with my boys and being able to work closely with them would be really, really neat one day. Uh, you know, you'd mentioned a little bit earlier in the interview that, you know, one day you would love to kind of be kind of part of the uh, the triad and it would be uh, Regal, Renzetti, and Norvice. You know, so obviously there are other people out there making rotary vices and – uh, you know, I know you mentioned earlier in the interview that, you know, Norvice vices are for everyone, but why should someone um, pick yours over a different type of vice? Well, the the one thing about the, the Norvice when we're speaking of, of rotary vices, there are a, a ton of, of good rotary vices out there and, and vices that you can you can turn and, and you can use the rotary function of the vice when you're tying the fly. The Norvice is one of the only products in the world that you can actually spin the vise while you're tying the fly. And there's a difference between rotating the vise slowly and spinning the vise and what that opens up for us. And if you've ever witnessed us um, dub on a Norvice, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, go to the website and, and look at the dubbing video. The, the ability to spin the vice opens up so many opportunities to us. The way that, that we can dub, the way that we can reinforce a hackle, the way that we can reinforce um, peacock curl, um, the way we do extended bodies. There are just things that you can do with the Norvice that you cannot do on any other vice on the market. And, and that, that's what sets us apart. Got it. And is that feature lend itself particularly well to any particular style of fly? Anytime that, that you're wrapping a material over the shank of the hook, the, the Norvice is, is the ticket. And, and if you think about it, just that statement, wrapping something over the shank of the hook, that's 90% of what we do when we're fly tying. So it, it really has its place in, in my opinion, every style of tying and, and just about every pattern that's out there. Got it. And, you know, we're getting close to, you know, not just hunting and fishing season, but, you know, IFTD is going to be here before we know it. Um, and I was wondering if you had any product developments or news you wanted to share with us. We are, we, we're not going to IFTD this year. Well, we're not going as, as an exhibitor. Um, that's probably a mistake on my part. Tyler wanted to go and he wanted to have a booth and, and I was not a hundred percent for it. Uh, we probably should go, but it's a live and learn kind of thing. Our big show that we're targeting will be the first fly fishing show in Denver, uh, which I believe is the first weekend in January. Um, currently, we're working on about nine new products. Some of them are finished. Some of them uh, probably aren't going to be done in time for the show. Um, but I will I will say come out and uh, and see us at um, at the Denver show. Uh, it should be a very, very colorful unveil uh, for Norvice at Denver. That's really neat. And I know you mentioned you weren't, you didn't have a booth at IFTD. Are you and Tyler going to be out there anyway? 
we're thinking about it. We're thinking about flying out for a uh, for a day or two and just kind of kind of walking through the show, getting a feel for it, and and really deciding if if it's something that that we should look to do for next year. Well, if you're out there, let me know. I'll be out there uh, meeting with folks and advertisers. I'll buy you a beer. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so obviously, if you've got nine products coming out, I, I even hate to ask you if you have any other projects you want to share with us. But if you have anything, we'd love to hear about it. We. Norvice has has really taken up a lot of time uh, over the the past year, and and don't get me wrong, that's not a complaint by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, we still have O'Neill's Fly Fishing, which is actually the holding company that owns Norvice, and the website is there. It's it's sitting kind of kind of dormant, and I, I really have some ideas that that I want to to get back into. Um, I would really, really like to get back into some of the um, some of the lessons and and the things that that I've done through O'Neill's fly fishing. Um, we, we've we've had talks about an online fly shop. Um, I did retail sales for five years. I, I have no desire to own a fly shop, um, but having some some things online and and having some products up there is something that, that I think we could look at and be successful and kind of add to and, and kind of cultivate over over time. So definitely the, the focus is going to be Norvice, and, and it's going to continue to be Norvice moving forward. But I would like to do some things with uh, with O'Neill's Fly Fishing and kind of, kind of bring that along as well. Yeah, that's really neat. You'll have to keep us posted on that. And so you had mentioned you're going to definitely be in Denver in January for the first fly fishing uh, show show. Um, but there are a bunch of those and there's some other shows kind of in between. Do you want to kind of let folks know, you know, where you're going to be kind of in the show season? Yeah, sure. We, we will be posting our full show schedule up, um, hopefully, um, mid September, I would say, uh, we're currently signed on to do, I believe, I believe we're up to about 18 shows. Oh, wow. uh, season. Yeah. We're doing the full uh, we'll be at all of the fly fishing shows, um, all seven of them. And we did that last year and it was, it was fantastic. And we're signed on again. We actually just signed on last night. Uh, we're going to be a, um, a sponsor of the Virginia, uh, fly fishing and wine festival. Uh, so, so we, we did that last, last night with Bo. So we'll be at, at Bo's show in Virginia. We will also be at the, uh, Texas, um, Fly Fishing and Brew Festival, those other show there in uh, Plano, Texas. We did that one last year. It was a it was a fantastic show. So we're really looking forward to get getting back down there. Um, uh, let's see, a couple of shows in um, a couple of shows in Utah. Uh, another one up in Albany, Oregon. Uh, a couple of smaller venues on our side of the uh, the country. Tie Fest right outside of Annapolis, Maryland is a great show. Um, now, I personally won't be at all of these. Um, if some last year when I was out on the West Coast, we my wife and I were out there. We did a couple of shows, and then Tyler did a couple of shows here on the East Coast. So while Michelle and I were out in either um, Seattle or San Francisco. Tyler was out here. He did Thai Fest, and we had Norvice represented on both sides of the country, which was was pretty neat. Um, but yeah, we, we've got a full schedule coming up, and uh, it's all going to be posted on the website here shortly. So there, there are plenty of opportunities to come out and see us and uh, say hi and watch us demo the device. And once you watch the demo, I, I think you're going to be hooked. 
Well, that's great. And I, I, do you have any time demonstrations coming kind of in the, before the end of the year? Or are you kind of working on getting the products done and doing a little fishing and hunting this fall? We'll, we'll be at the, uh, our first show is the International Fly Tying Symposium. Uh, the one up in, uh, it's in Parsippany, New Jersey. Yep. Um, great show. We did, they moved the venue up to, uh, Northern Jersey last year. It, it was a great move. Uh, if, if you haven't been there, the venue is fantastic. It's, it, it's really more of a fly tires show. Uh, we, we will be there as a vendor, but we'll obviously be tying flies in the booth as well. So that kind of kicks it off. Um, we do have, uh, we've got a big steelhead trip planned. That, that we do every year, um, and then product development and work and service the business. So th- there's um, th- there's no no shortage of work, and we stay very busy here at the Norvice Camp. Yeah, and that fly tying symposium, folks, is a really good event. If you go to the event page on our website, you can get all the details and and sign up and buy tickets. Um, before I let you go tonight, Tim, why don't you let folks know where they can find you on the internet? Okay, the the website is www nor-vice.com. So it's N-O-R-V-I-S-E.com. Uh, or my email is Tim at nor-vice.com. Awesome. Well, I'll drop those in the show notes. I'll also drop all of your social media handles in there so folks can find them really easily. And I really appreciate you spending time with me this evening. I, I appreciate you having me. I, uh, I, I enjoyed talking with him, and we appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to meeting you on the road. And uh, before we go away tonight, folks, I uh, want to give a shout-out again to tonight's sponsor, Tail Tellers Fly Shop in Lynchburg, Virginia. You owe it to yourself to go by and see Ethan. He's got a great shop. He's at www.tailtellersva.com. And if you like this episode, it would really appreciate it if you'd give us a review in iTunes and subscribe in the podcast of your choice. Tight lines, everybody. Tight lines, Tim. Thank you.